What's up, everybody? Welcome into Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by Superbook Sports and Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. We're right around the corner from regular season hockey. Air of one more preseason game to go. The Dallas Stars again. How you doing? And uh, I guess, how ready are you for this regular season? And how weird is this break in between that we're going to have? How am I doing? I'm doing great. How ready am I for the regular season? I, I'm i pumped, man. We've been... We we haven't been the most exciting people to listen to during the preseason because it's just it's the preseason, man. It's so hard to to go in there and pay attention to these games and watch these games. And even when we talk about them, we're not breaking down X's and O's. We're talking about individual performances, players that stuck out that that stu- stood out a little bit here and there. But I'm so excited. I the one week off is different. I'm I'm excited for it, and I know Jared when we talked to him today, he was excited for it too because. You get to kind of build your roster throughout training camp, which, you know, by the time the Avalanche have this one-week break after tomorrow's preseason game, they'll have their main roster. And then you get a whole ass week to prepare for the regular season, to prepare for opening night with your main group of 21, 22, no matter how many they carry up to 23. So um, it is strange, and it's probably going to drag a little bit when we podcast next week. Like, come on, can we get to Wednesday already? But um, I'm just excited for preseason to be over. One more to go. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm sure Jared Bednar is excited about it because you look at this training camp as a whole and you and I have been talking about how it's had more of a practice-like feel to it. Jared Bednar even said that he's approaching it uh, more like practice and you could tell with the way they were running things with the split groups and you know really working on stuff rather than just fitness and all the normal stuff that comes with training camp. So yeah, I mean, just having all this time to practice, 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 you know, Jared Bednar's loving it and I feel like the team has to be, you know, super prepared, maybe more so than they normally are coming into a regular season with all that practice. Yeah, it seems like it. The The one interesting thing, the one fascinating thing is with the injury to Landeskog and to Helm and uh, Nichushkin missed a little bit of time. And then when you add in no Burakovsky, no Kadri, and you got a second line center and new hook and a second line winger and Rodriguez and then like Myers is in there somewhere. Uh, there's a lot of change to what the lineup looks like right now. And Landeskog and Helm kind of make it a lot more than it already was. So like when you look at the fact that, you know, the second line is made up of Nichushkin with Rodriguez and Newhook, it's like, this is a lot different. So basically what I'm getting at is a lot of guys are playing with each other for the first time, whether they were teammates last year and playing together for the first time now, or whether they're new players from new teams and, and, you know, guys like Myers who, yeah, he was here last year, but not really. So like, uh, I like the way that Jared has approached camp because it's given these guys a chance to kind of get a, accustomed to each other and, and adjusted to their new line mates, which is pretty strange for a team that just wanted to stay in the cup, but also, you know, it happens. Yeah, I guess in line with that, the Avalanche were on the road last night in Dallas, uh, taking a 3-1 victory, a game that gave us our first in-game looks at guys like McCarr, Taves, uh, even Manson, but... I guess it was just good to remember how talented this squad is, really. And I think the cool thing for me is, you know, it's not necessarily the whole squad. Uh, it's the defense. That was the big thing for me is every preseason you go into it and you see how many goals are given up and you see how many goalies have shaky nights. And we saw it in Vegas a few days ago. Uh, both Georgie and, and Frankie, like nobody really played well. The Avalanche gave up a ton of goals. Uh, I think it was Frankie that came in for him, honestly. I don't remember that far back, but I think it was – maybe it was Johansson, but – uh, nobody had a good night and the Avalanche were playing behind an AHL defense. It wasn't all the main guys. And 
you get your first look of the main six defensemen, Makar and Taves and Manson and Gerard and, and Byram and Johnson in no particular order. And you suddenly start to realize like, yeah, the game was zero, zero heading into the third. The avalanche had, I think a two to nothing lead at one point. And you're like, yeah, this is what it's going to be like for these goalies. And it was obviously Frankie the first night. It'll be Georgie on Wednesday, Gorgiev, uh, but it was just refreshing to see just how good that that blue line gels with each other because now when you look at the Avalanche getting a new goalie losing guys like Kadri Burakovsky that defense is its meat and butter now. Yeah, and just watching Makar was refreshing, and, and you know I know you want to be professional and stay saying things like Georgiev rather than Georgie, but man, Georgie is just so much easier off so, the tongue. So Georgie is his nickname. Sure. Yeah, I know Georgie, that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I just like, saying, I like you're, you're saying up. Georgie, and you kind of yeah, corrected yeah. yourself to say Georgiev because you didn't want to sound like you're being too friendly, yeah, yeah. too much of a fan. I mean, boy. it's fine. Yeah, no. Gor- G- Georgie just sounds a lot easier. I don't like when people say Georgiev or Georgi- or Georgiev because then you're just mispronouncing his name. Georgie is his actual nickname. So it's, it's kind of like EJ and Johnson. So I guess, yeah, I, I have caught myself doing that a few times, but. It's so much easier to roll off the tongue. When I read articles, wherever it says Georgiev, you know, because you read it in your head, I don't read the word Georgiev. I just read Georgie just because it's so much, it just flows. Da 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 da, Georgie. Like, I don't have the time to Georgiev my way through an article. 100%. 100%. So, those hard G's make it tough. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, but, Georgie. Yeah. But back to the game, uh, along with the seeing the. The main defensive group, I guess, in action and watching Kale McCarr. We also saw Arturi Lekkinen get two goals, right? And uh, on the I know road, it's, yeah. Has he has he done that before? Yeah, I think I think we've seen it before. Nice. But what I'm getting at is, I know it's still early, but it feels like he's warming up for that career year that we are uh, kind oh, of predicting yeah. over here. Look, man, his career best before this are 19 goals and 19 assists, which he had last year between two teams. I think he's going to blow those numbers away. The part that I'm hedging my bet on for this guy, and not that I'm actually a betting man, but like that 60 plus point range that we're all so worried about with, you know, what the Avalanche lost in Burakovsky. We're not talking about the second line center role right now, but what they lost in Burakovsky, who's going to replace that offense? This guy. That's who. It's going to be lacking in. People are looking at him, and, you know, the reality is, as a second line winger, top line winger, top six winger, let's call it who let's say he puts up 20 goals and 28 assists regularly. He's a 48-point guy doing what he does where he goes in and retrieves the puck very Rover style. He's mini Val on the forecheck and a good two-way defensive guy. 20 goals, 28 assists a year, that's a hell of a player. I don't think that's going to be his ceiling. I genuinely feel starting this year he's going to be that 60-plus point guy where we're going to be like, Lekkinen is putting up Burakovsky numbers with a two-way game. And what is that worth? Well, we just saw what Val Nachushkin signed for. That's what it's worth. And Lekkinen's only going to be making, you know, salary in the four million range. So I'm I'm really pumped for this guy. Yeah, again, I know it's early, but he's been a spitting image of exactly what he, we expect him to be. I mean, I've always talked about how he just has that knack for burying the puck. And a lot, a lot of times it looks like he does it on accident, right? Because sometimes he does. Sometimes it bounces off somebody's shin guards or chips off the goalie's shoulder and in. But that's exactly who we're seeing him, that seeing so far in this preseason is that Arturi Lekkinen that is just fine in the back of the net. So, um, you know, if he does take that step forward, I think we're we're all in for a real treat. And you're right, a replacement in those uh, in that void of points from the guys that they lost yeah exactly and and it's going to be a big uh a big cha- a big not challenge but it's going to be very refreshing to see him uh get this opportunity and to to play with the avalanche for a full regular season that's not something he had last year he didn't have a lot of points in the regular season 
Um, and he's going to get a great opportunity here with McKinnon and Rantanen. Uh And then I think the other notable from that game uh, against the Stars last night, the 3-1 victory that I brought up earlier, was Pavel Francouz. I think he looked strong. Stopped, yeah, he was uh, great. Stopped 38 of uh, 39 shots that faced him, and it was his second look, right? The first one, I think you, it was last week against Minnesota. I think you brought it up a second ago, and it yeah. wasn't a wasn't a good look from him. I, mean, I think he gave up five that night. Um, and, of course, as Georgiev had a, a pretty tough night his first we game him, out. We call him Georgie around these parts. <laughs> Georgie, I fully expect Georgie to play tomorrow. Not only that, have a much better game than he had in his first showing. Yeah, Jared already confirmed today at practice that uh, – Georgie will get the full game on Wednesday at Ball Arena. Uh, the Avalanche will have a mostly veteran group. So you'll see that starting goalie get his opportunity to kind of shine the way Frankie did. And and Frankie, I think it was the Minnesota game, right? It was when Tyson Jost was mm-hmm. scoring all those goals. Yeah, really. I think uh, it was a rough second period that he had yeah. more than anything. But the second period this time around, it was 19 shots, 19 saves. The Avalanche were outplayed, outclassed, outchanced in the second, and Frankie held them in, and it was 0-0 to the third until Lekkinen started to do his thing. So a strong game from Frankie, and you know what? Considering the idea is that Georgie will probably play the full sixth game, it's nice to see Frankie get through the preseason. No injuries like last year. No Arif doing his reporting trying to catch Frankie walking out of a clean juice without a boot and being like, oh, maybe he's not that injured. And then he was out till December. So uh, shout out me for that take last year, you know, trying to be an investigative journalist and realizing I was terrible at it. Um, and uh, <laughs> shout out to Francis for making it through the preseason. I'm, I'm excited to have this guy for a full season again, because this will be the first time since 2020 that the Avalanche will have Francis knock on wood, no injuries right from the start for a full year. You bring up that f- bad tweet as if, all of us care enough to remember that we don't. You're the only one that remembers, so it's it's all right. <laughs> I mean, technically, uh, I didn't really assume anything. I just said that I the day after Francis got injured against Minnesota, looked like he injured his knee or leg or hip or something that would kind of hinder him his ability to walk. Was walking around wearing shoes normally, you know, in Denver twelve hours later. So. He's wearing shoes. You heard it here first. He's wearing shoes, and he's (laughs) walking with his own two feet. And maybe it's a good thing, and he was out until December. Uh, But, yeah, just as as it was good to see the defensive group come together yesterday, it was good to see Pavel Francouz have a strong game and look tough to beat. I expect the same from Georgiev. But that being said, as we near opening night here, Arif, how are you feeling about the goaltender situation? I'm I'm feeling fine. There's there's no reason to... No reason to panic. No reason to really – I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I remember or even have a any bit of a memory of what it was like to watch Darcy Kemper in the preseason last year. But the reality is, look, the Avalanche, we know who their two goalies are. We know the preseason doesn't matter. We know it starts to matter when opening night comes around. And we know if the Avalanche start 4-5-1 and one with shaky goaltending, it's just going to take them a little bit of time to get adjusted. So it's fine. That's that's kind of the way that I see it. I think having Francouz from the start of the year this time is is going to help because last year it was what? It was uh, Kemper and Johansson, and the year before that it was Grubauer and Hunter Miska. So, like, there was always a link that wasn't really – shouldn't have been there. But at least this time around, we, when you know, last year when Kemper was struggling to get his footing on a new team – you now have a backup in Francouz, not a backup in Johansson. So it's it's great to see that, and and uh, I think I think they're going to go away with it. And uh, I know you've had the chance. You've been working on a, a article, story, piece with uh, 
Alexander Georgiev, a.k.a. Georgie, or Georgie Boy. Georgie Boy. I like to call him Georgie Boy just because, again, it just flows off the tongue better. Um, but, yeah, I guess let us know what you're learning about him. Let us know what that article, what, what we are to expect from it, and, uh, yeah, just kind of everything you've gathered from from getting to know this guy. Yeah, so it's actually funny. I, I started talking to uh, Georgiev, and I'm putting together an article for the Mahai Sports magazine, and uh, the magazine comes out the day after opening night next week. So it's so, almost like this is a sneak peek. Yeah. So the, the magazine comes out the day after opening night. So next Thursday, which means that next Friday I'll be able to publish it online because the magazine will get first dibs on the story. But, you know, I decided I want to write a profile on Gorgiev. And, and uh, the camera guys at Mahai Sports were actually at the practice ring today. And it was pretty cool to see them kind of getting some shots for the magazine, which it might be the cover. We'll see. But it was Georgie and Francis in full gear wearing their jerseys from the hips up and then gym shorts on the bottom. So like this <laughs> big ass goalie equipment with the helmet, the jerseys holding the hockey stick and they're in a little itty bitty legs. Like it's the funniest thing when you see a goalie wearing only half the gear. That's like the the look of the NLL, the National Lacrosse League goalies. Yeah. They look so goofy with it their giant so chest pads and their little legs. Yeah, so they were walking like around the rink like that holding all their stuff and I'm like, oh, and then there's like a trainer behind them holding their pads like this sucks. So um so yeah, so I got this profile on Georgiev and I talked to him. It's kind of been a work in progress over the last three weeks where I went and I talked to him the first time and you know, I asked the same questions that anybody would ask Georgiev the first time they saw him at Avalanche training camp. How excited are you for your new team? How pumped are you to get an opportunity to play? Uh, you used to live in Finland. Do you know Miko and Lekkinen? How excited are you to work with Francis? How excited are you to, for opening night? The pressure of playing for a Stanley Cup team? Blah, blah, blah. So that was my first piece. And I started to write the article and I'm like, there's a little more digging there. Because every time I would talk to him, he would give me these good quotes. And uh, kind of a sneak peek to one of the quotes was, I asked him about the pressure of joining a Stanley Cup contender and a team that's looking, or not a contender, but literally the defending Stanley Cup champions and a team that wants to contend and, and repeat. And uh, is there going to be pressure? And do you feel pressure? And he said, yeah, it's good kind of pressure. And that one kind of stuck out to me because it was this very confident quote. And I started to put the story together. And then the Avalanche had a practice the next day, and I said, I'm not finishing this tonight. I need to go talk to him a little bit more. So I went and asked him a little bit more. I dug more into his time in Finland. Uh, and he was talking about how he knew Arturi Lekanen, and he skates with uh, Miko and Sampo, Sampo Ranta, and like he knows these guys pretty well. So he was talking about his time in Finland, and I was like, great, this will be great for the story. So I came back home, and I started to write some more. And it's now Friday night of last week, and my deadline for the story was Friday night. And I sat there, and I was like – there is a little bit more there to dig. And I wanted to talk more about his time with the Rangers. And so before and after Finland, his time with the Rangers and becoming a goalie in general, like not just playing pro hockey in Finland, like why and when did you start playing? The origin. Goalie? Thank you. So I texted. The yeah, I texted my editor at Malhai Sports and I'm like, uh, are you fine with like a 48 hour extension and he was like why you didn't get your work done i'm like no i just kind of i there's more to dig for georgie so i walked back in and the avalanche pr guy looks at me he goes your give has literally talked every single day since i was like i know and half of those times have been to me but i just got a few more questions and georgie has been so great like georgie's been awesome i go in there every single time and i ask him and he doesn't say a word he doesn't roll his eyes he doesn't look pissed off he's so happy no, to talk he's, he's so open such to a talk. great dude 
he probably likes the media vibe compared to, to New York City, right? Yeah, I mean, I definitely so. a younger crowd, a less pushy crowd, I'm sure. And then today I walked in there and Peter Baugh is sitting there huddled around his stall, sitting next to him and Frankie's stall talking to him. And I'm like, God damn it, Baugh's about to write the story that I wrote and do it better <laughs> than me. This freaking kid wrote a book over the summer. Um, so... So yeah, so I went back and I talked to him about his time with the Rangers and and uh, he was very candid and very open about like, you know, his time with Henrik Lundqvist when Igor Shosturkin came in, how he felt about it. I don't want to spoil the story because there's a lot of great quotes in there, but the general feel that I got from the story and going back to his origin story, actually, before I make my statement, he was talking about how, you know, he started playing goalies somewhere between the ages of five and 10 when teams needed a goalie and he would raise his hand and say, I'd, I'd try this. And then his parents were like, all right, fine, we'll get you the ex- expensive equipment. You can do this. And there was a couple things in there where I asked him, like, you know, you know, you often hear those stories of NHL players where they're like, yeah, you know, I just wanted to play hockey and all I wanted to do was go play college or whatever. And then like at the age of 16 or 17, it clicked like, holy shit, I can make it to the NHL. How many times have we heard that story where later on you start to realize like, hey, I'm pretty good. I can do this for a living. So I asked him, I was like, when did you notice that you can be an NHL goalie? He goes, oh, from the beginning. I'm like, like when beginning? He goes like, <laughs> since I was a kid, I'm like, like legitimately, he goes, yeah, because I wasn't thinking about being the starter on my team. He said, when I played with the 10 year olds, I said, I'm going to be the best 10 year old. And when I played U 16s, I said, I'm going to be the best U 16. And I was, and when I played U 18, I said, I'm going to be the best U 18. And I was, and when I played world juniors, I said, I'm going to be the best goalie. And I was, when I played in the Finnish league, I said, and he said, if I'm the best everywhere I play, and if I'm the best of my age group, the NHL is the only place to go. And I'm just like, I love this guy's confidence and, you know, his time with Henrik Lundqvist, learning from a goalie like that, a future Hall of Famer, well, arguably we'll see. Um, and then just like his candidness and his openness and like his frustrations, which have been pretty much all over the media for the last three, four years about having to play behind Shesterk and not really getting much of an opportunity. And the general feel of this entire story is he's a mystery box to us. He's a mystery box to everyone. We don't know if he has what it takes to be a starter, but in his brain, this is what he's supposed to be. And I know that's a very tacky thing to say. Like the fourth line center in the NHL is always like, I'm going to be the best I can be. But like in this guy's shoes, he thinks in a non-arrogant, it's called confidence, but like it doesn't come off as arrogance in his brain. Think of the best goalies in the NHL, the Vasilevskis, I don't know, Hellebuck and, and Soros and Markstrom. In his brain, he's like, finally, I'm one of them. Because all he needed was an opportunity to be a starter. And like the the confidence he has in his ability, and again, it does not come off as arrogance when you talk to him. It's a straight, confident guy, is is unlike anything I've seen, especially from that position, because you play goalie and y'all are all weird. He was not weird. It was just really cool to talk to this guy. Isn't that kind of in line with the way I broke down what I observed from him from a, from a playing standpoint, right? I mean, he definitely has this he's – he's a nice guy, but he's got this quiet intensity about him that, yeah. you know, I, I just read that as a desire to build off of what he's already done and, and just grab the position by his throat. He has the opportunity. He just wants to slam it against its locker and take its lunch money and say, I'm never letting go of this opportunity, yeah. and I'm going to seize it and make sure I, I do everything I can to keep it. And it doesn't strike me as the type of goalie. I think we talked about this last year when we were talking about the Avalanche and the Maple Leafs and those big games with Kadri and everything. 
a goalie like Jack Campbell, who, you know, if you remember a year ago, I predicted maybe that's the guy the Avalanche signed when Kemper walks. And the biggest knock on Jack Campbell, let's call it maybe not a knock, but the biggest thing about Jack Campbell is the team could play like garbage in front of him and they'll lose three to one because the team gave him no support, defensive breakdowns, the offense wasn't clicking. He'll go into the media and just be self-deprecating. That should have been me. I should have made the saves. I should have this. I should have that. And he just kind of like was always putting pressure on himself to the point where like it was affecting his game. I don't see that kind of pressure Georgie is putting on himself. I see it more as like he knows what he can do. And if he has a bad game, he will be open about it. But I also think he's the kind of goalie that if he has a good game and doesn't get the proper support, He's going to talk to his defense about it. He's going to communicate. He's not going to go scream at anybody, but he's going to go communicate with his team. Like, this is where you should be better. This is where we can better communicate. And I think he's just going to be a great teammate in the sense where you never have to sit there and guess what he's thinking. You never have to predict what he feels. He will be open about it. You'll have conversations about it. You'll build and you'll grow together. And it's kind of like that Nathan McKinnon factor, right? He holds himself to a, such a high standard that the people around him hold themselves to a, a higher yeah. standard as well to, to kind of match that intensity and match that desire to win. And Georgiev absolutely has that 100%. And, yeah, you're right. There are going to be nights where he sucks. There's going to be nights where both him and Francis suck. It's about how they rebound. And I, I'm confident that Georgiev is going to have that mental fortitude to rebound the way he needs to and just co- continue to uh, to get better. And that's all he wants to do. Just keep rising to the occasion. Keep improving your game as much as you can. Yeah, like he strikes me like the kind of goalie that if it does take him a little bit of time, which, by the way, I'm fully expecting it's going to take him some time to get adjusted uh, just because I've seen it twice now with with Grubauer and with Kemper where if he starts the season, I don't know, in his in his personally, his first 10 starts, he's 4-6 and six or 5-5 five and five with like an 892 save percentage. I don't think he's going to sweat it. I think he's going to go into every game knowing where he needs to improve and knowing what he's learning and developing and growing and gaining that trust and communication with his defense where he's just going to grow. He's just going to find his way and dig his way out of that rut the way Kemper did last year. Well, I'm excited for your article slash story because um, I know you're kind of using it as both and nice work on the journalism work right it's, for the first time in a couple years you got to go back and ask follow-ups and do, do journalism access. the locker room access is an absolute game changer yeah. like i can't explain how cool it is to do the job the way it's supposed to be done walking in there today peter boss sitting in a stall next to georgie talking to him you look over on this side our old friend ryan clark is hanging out with nathan mckinnon they talked for a good 20 minutes i know clark's working on some big things for espn and he was able to talk to McKinnon and get this, the quotes that Ryan Clark gets from Nathan McKinnon, the quotes Peter Baugh gets from Georgiev, none of us get to see them. Those are his quotes for his story. And that's like, I know that sounds like such a th- silly thing to the listener, but like the fact that we had to do these media room press conferences for the last couple of years where everybody says the same thing. And listeners, you guys are going to know this because I make this damn mistake all the time. We'll be sitting in there and I'll have my laptop out and Peter Ball will have his laptop out, for example. And McKinnon will stand on the podium and he'll say a sentence of a quote. You know, we we didn't play our best and Kemper held us in. And Peter 
will get the words perfectly. He didn't play our best and Kemper helped us in. And my dumbass will mix up a few words where we'll both tweet the same quote with different wording. And then some idiot will screenshot it and be like, which one of you idiot reporters got the wrong words? And I'm like, me, that's me. I tried Now to they'll never this. know. Now they'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> now they'll never know unless it's Jared Bender. Because if I mess up the player quotes, nobody's got it. But my, I'm just kidding. But nobody's got it but my recording. <laughs> so like it would happen all the time. I'll be like, Nathan McKinnon says, quote, Darcy Kemper helped us in the game and then i look at the tweet right over me and it's peter boss saying darcy kemper kept us in the game or something i'm just like god dang it i messed it up again yeah i remember back when i was an aspiring writer and i would interview a guy like varley for example and i would just kind of fix his broken english in my writing with that same thought nobody's gonna know that he didn't say it in this exact order um so yeah i get you um let's take a quick second and have that moment of our show where we talk about football because football is back and nobody is more excited than your friends at Superbook Sports. Superbook is bringing Vegas style wagering to the palm of your hands and now they will match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000 no matter if the bet wins or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium to enjoy football this fall which I will actually be at the stadium on Thursday. Broncos, Colts, it's going to be a fun one but visit Superbook dot com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start getting in on all the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem, call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero. I'll be at the Broncos game with Superbook rolling because you know you got if you're gonna be at the stadium, you might as well have action. If you're not gonna be at the stadium, it just makes it that more exciting to watch. So roll with our friends at Superbook. You dig it? I'm digging it. I like the silent response. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we had some, uh, like you mentioned, there was some practice today going on and, and some comments from Jared Benner. It was an optional practice, of course, but a lot of guys used it to, uh, hone their skills and work on some things here and there. So I guess let's just go straight to the Jared Benner comments. I know he said a lot of interesting things. So I guess, what did you learn from him today? You could, you could tell he's so much more comfortable in this honesty role, right? Where he doesn't have to be covering things up. It's a Stanley cup playoffs. I don't oh, want to tell you God, this. I don't want to tell so you that. Annoying. He he just he's just he's just so much more in his uh, own skin, just being honest with us. Right? Yeah. All right. For the most part, we don't know everything. Everything. You know what but... it took? It all it took was for him to be comfortable. Were you there the first couple of days of practice where they had that podium back from 2019 and 2020? He hated it. And he was like, and every single time he would walk up to it, he'd look at Brendan, the PR guy, and be like, "Where's my chair and my table? Where's my chair and my table?" And his his press conferences would go so quick and he'd just walk out of there. We got him his chair and his table and he's just hanging out, chilling like you and I are right now. And he wants to talk to us. And all he needed was to be comfortable. Who would have thought? Who would have next thought? time, next time, just slide him a nice cold Bud Light and you might get him for 30 minutes. <laughs> and get him a Zen. He's always got one <laughs> hanging out in there when he's talking to us anyway. And that was during the playoffs too. So yeah, well, well, unconfirmed what brand he's using, but he's using something. <laughs> he's uh, got but yeah, something in there. What What did you learn from Bedner today? So a couple things. The Avalanche, obviously, Wednesday will be a pretty full veteran lineup. I'm guessing it's going to be pretty much like, look, there's still some spots up for grabs, but I'm guessing it's going to be pretty much the lineup that he envisions opening night to be. And if someone ends up playing bad and he wants to replace him with another forward, he will because there are spots up for grabs. So Nathan McKinnon, he confirmed will make his start. Well, actually, I told him just to confirm Nathan McKinnon is and he is in and he said, I think so. Yes. So I think that I think so is him still playing a little bit of that Stanley Cup playoffs. I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it kind of thing. So Nathan McKinnon will be playing. 
Expect Mikkinen, Ranton, and Lekkinen together. Expect Nichushkin, Rodriguez, and Newhook together. Expect uh, the third line to be... Um, Expect the third line to be what whatever he wants it to be for opening night. And and then the defense the exact same way with Georgie and goal. So fully veteran lineup. A couple of other things. The Avalanche are going to make their final cuts Thursday and Friday. So they're going to play this game Wednesday, which is probably when you guys are listening to this. Thursday and Friday, no practice. They got two days off to refresh. The players get a chance to reset, spend some time with their family, hopefully get a sunny day out in Denver. And then they come back to work Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday before opening night. Wednesday, there'll probably be another off day mixed into those four nights. And uh, by the time they come back to practice on Saturday, they will have their full lineup going because the final cuts will come Thursday and Friday. The other thing is, I'm sure you guys who were watching the game against the Dallas Stars, uh, the road game that is, on Monday... Jacob McDonald left the game with an injury, and he is out. He's going to miss a little bit of time. Uh, that's all we know about it. So he's no longer in the equation. And Wyatt Amit from – or Amat, I forgot how to pronounce his name. Uh, number 72, <laughs> let's put it that way. He got injured a couple games ago, so he – unfortunately, they can't send him down. So similar to Stefan Mateau last year, Amit and McDonald both have to stay on the lineup and count against the salary cap until they're healthy. So – they're both rehabbing with the Eagles, but they're going to remain on the roster as IR guys. Um, but yeah, that's the gist of what we got from Jared today. And, and I'm excited for Wednesday to be over and done with so that we can move on. Tough to see because remember, uh, he, he got injured some, what, what, what part of the year was that, like December or so? Uh, when they were playing Florida and he had that bad hit in the corner and he got knocked out and had to get yes, yes, taken yes, off yes. on a stretcher. Yeah. So. Um, tough was, to see yeah. McDonald get injured again. You're really yeah. rooting for this guy to stay in the lineup. That was such an interesting night, if you remember, because it was at Ball Arena. If you remember, after that hit, the game just turned into like a very rough and tumble, hard-hitting, like playoff atmosphere type it of game. It turned into a really good game. It turned into it was an, an amazing game, and that was the emotions of both benches from that hit kind of coming together. I forget who hit him. The name's not coming to me right now. Uh, it, it was Lomberg. Lomberg, yeah. Oh, man, that, that was a memory, that hit, and... Uh, just kind of that game and everything that happened after that. So, uh, yeah, tough to see that, but you know, he'll be back and he'll be back stronger than ever as, as he usually is. He's, he's a great depth piece for the avalanche. Indeed. Indeed. And, uh, today we also learned that with all that, there's going to be three opening spots for opening night. So are you getting a sense for who's favored right now? Who are the leading three horses? Do you want to put odds on them? Do we want to get Superbook? involved and put odds on these guys on who we should, is going to take those last three spots we should make our predictions because that was the last part thanks for catching that the last thing that jared spoke about today was i mean he said it straight up that there was already one roster spot open heading into the season which if you've ever done a preseason depth chart it was the spot that we had penciled in for ben myers but then you have the helm injury and you have the Landeskog injury, which by the way, it is not confirmed yet that helm is going to miss opening night. We will see Landeskog as we know for sure. So assuming helm is out three forward spots open. I mean, even if helm is in, there's still three forward spots open with the third one being the number 13 forward that just sits for helm. But let's, 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 let's talk about who we know is going to play. So obviously again, Abe Kubel moved on. Nico Sturm moved on. Nazem Kadri moved on. Andre Burakovsky moved on. I don't know why I started with Abe Kubel and Sturm, but those guys all moved on. Rantanen, McKinnon, Lekkinen, pretty straightforward. Rodriguez, Newhook, Nichushkin, pretty straightforward. I'm not saying this is a line, but also Cogliano, Comfer, and O'Connor, 
pretty much straightforward they're going to be in the lineup. Without Landeskog and Helm, you have three more spots open, and there are six guys fighting. Ben Myers, Lucas Sedlak, Anton Bleed. Those are the three veterans. Well, older guys. Myers is not a veteran. Maltsev, Bowers, Kaup. Six guys, three spots. So it's it's an interesting battle. I mean, if I was to give you those six names, who's the one that sticks out to you as like a sure thing right now? I, I kind of like the order you put them in, to be honest, where you had it with Myers, Sedlak, Sedlak, Bleed. I think those are the three that are kind of the front runners. I think there's a little bit of favoritism with Myers because they saw just in a, a little mini version of what he can do in the NHL, even in such short time with the team. So I think he's going to get that leg up. And um, yeah, I think Sedlak and Bleed have kind of earned their way. I like the way they're playing, and I know Jared Bednar does too. So Sedlak, that's the one that sticks out to me as the sure thing. Before last night or before this morning, Tuesday morning, I would not have said the same thing about Bleed. But Jared was very open when he was asked about which guys stepped out, spe- stepped up specifically in that Dallas game or stood out specifically in the Dallas game. And he went out of his way to mention literally Anton Bleed. He was all over the ice. He was physical. He was this. He was that. And obviously, he was a veteran. If you remember a couple couple practices ago, I asked him, like, were Sedlak and Bleed brought in to be, like, the direct replacements of Abe Kubel and Sturm? And he said that's ultimately the idea. So those two stick out to me. Ben Myers, I'm a little bit iffy on. And I know that sounds crazy, but you have someone in Martin Cowden, even a little bit of Bowers. Maltsev, Maltsev's a wash. Like that one I know for sure is not going to make it because Jared has had way too many. He's been just okay when asked about Maltsev. And as we know about Jared, there's two levels. There's, oh, he's been good. And there's, he's been just okay. The he's been just okay means I don't like it. We know how Jared works. He's a nice guy. He doesn't want to say he sucked, basically. <laughs> so Moldsev's not going to make it. Sedlak and Bleed, I would say make it. Now, here is where I am with Myers. Last year, who was the rookie forward? Let me put you on the spot. Who was the rookie forward that we were all talking about that's going to make the Avalanche lineup? Sample Ranta, wasn't it? No, no, no. He... A step above him, Alex Newhook. Hmm. And do you remember what happened early last year? I think Sample Ranta ended up making it. I don't remember exactly. Right, he was on the opening night he roster, was on the if opening I remember. Night roster. Newhook spent the first 10 or 11 games in the minors. And then he got called up after McKinnon's injury. And then he became an NHL regular. The entire offseason, we had Newhook penciled in. Second line, Newhook, Kadri Burakovsky. And if Nichushkin's on the second line, then Newhook will play on the third line with Tyson Jost or JT Comfer or whoever. And... Jared said, no, no, Newhook's going to start in the minors once he gets his game up and running. And that's kind of what I'm thinking with Ben Myers. Maybe he's had a good camp. And and just like Newhook, Newhook last year when he was trying to vie for an opening night roster spot, had already played with the Avalanche the year before. In fact, he saw, in fact, he saw playoff time against Vegas. Myers got a couple games last, uh, last season. Yeah, he got five games and scored in his first one. If Martin Kaut deserves a spot kind of like Sample Ranta did last year, I could see a situation, and this last game will determine a lot of it too. He's got Cout's got to come out and have a strong game this last game, and maybe Myers does or does not have a strong game. I could see Myers starting with the Eagles for the first week or two or three, first five to ten games, while Cout is getting his feet wet in the NHL to see what you have in him, and then you give Myers the call up if you feel like Cout's not doing it or another injury happens. So that's kind of the way that I'm leaning. For opening night, I'm thinking it's going to be Bleed, Sedlak, and Kaut. Final answer. 
I can see that because it happens every year. We brought that up on this podcast a lot, that there's always one surprise guy on the opening night lineup, and he never really lasts. He always ends up right back with the A couple Eagles. years ago, wasn't it Connor Timmons? And then he ended up, I mean, he got called up a bunch more times. And not a couple years ago, I'm talking 2019, 23 years ago. It was Connor Timmons, and then he ended up getting sent down. There's always someone. There's always someone. This so, was it, this was the number 18 version of Connor Timmons, I believe. Hey, maybe there's another uh, journalistic story for you to dive into and, you know, get all the ins and outs of it, of, of the situation. I don't know. Maybe not. I tried. Jared, Jared, <laughs> Jared won't give us much more than we'll see. So I guess it, it kind of sounds like you have the opinion that they're, they almost have them death charted, right? Like one, two, three, these are our favorite guys in that order. And so I guess with that, do you see guys like Bowers, Maltsev, Kout, the guys that are maybe on the bottom of that little mini depth chart able to, to rise or do you think that the guys that get the position kind of run away with it and then pretty much that's the lineup throughout the year oh no you'll it, the spots are open spots are always open like that's fluid the, it's very fluid like put it this way if darren helm when he signed with the avalanche last year he didn't have a strong regular season but he was a useful player if darren helm comes in and just isn't cutting it what like what's why would jerry keep him around he would have been like yeah, I get it. This veteran guy, screw it. He makes a million dollars. Send him down. Throw him on waivers. I don't care about him. Let him retire. I'm going to call up someone that deserves to play. And that's just the reality. I mean, they ended up picking up Abe Kubel, and there were playoff games where Abe Kubel was playing, and, and Alex Newhook was a healthy scratch. Pretty sure Burakovsky was a healthy scratch at some point. The guys that play the best will play in the NHL full stop. Sampo Ranta didn't get sent down because Alex Newhook was ready to come up. Sampo Ranta got sent down because he wasn't playing well. So it's going to be the same thing this time around. You know, Sedlak coming from the KHL after a few years off, if he's not cut out to be in the NHL, what loyalty do you have to him? If Shane Bowers is kicking ass in the AHL and you're ready to see what he's doing, well, there's a switch that's going to happen. If Helm gets healthy and Kelt's playing great, well, now you can either cut or not cut, but scratch, bleed, or Sedlak. Like, the best guys will always play, and I, I just think that's always going to be the way it works with Jared. And do you see any of those guys maybe rising to the top and kind of just leaving the other guys in the dust and just not, never looking back? Kind of like, oh, no, I don't want to say like Obey Kubel because even there were a few times where he was he was back in the scratched position. Yeah, ultimately it's it's always going to be fluid. I, I think if I had to guess, I would say Sedlak is going to be the most common regular. Um, kind of ben- like Sturm. Yeah, exactly. Like exactly yeah, but Ben, but Ben Myers is going to be a pretty big regular too. I mean, look, here's the thing right now with those six names. I know we just kind of separated it. You were saying two bunches of three, so Sedlak, Bleed, and Myers, and then the second group was Maltsev, mm-hmm. Kaut, and Bowers. I don't see it like that. I see it as Sedlak and Bleed as the top group, and then Myers as part of the other three because Sedlak and Bleed have a little bit more experience than the NHL. Myers is just as young as Kaut and Bowers and. And uh, who's the last guy? Maltsev. Like, he's only played five NHL games. I understand he's a college-free agent and he was his big signing, but he's got to earn his roster spot just like everybody else. Like, he, it's not going to be handed to him, and, and he knows that. And he had a much better game against the Dallas Stars on Monday than he did in his previous preseason showings, and he's just got to kind of grow and build off of that. Yeah, it's not easy. You're going to have to work for it. Of course, that's is, the way it goes. This is a team trying to win a Stanley Cup. This isn't a team here to do any favors for Martin Cowett or Shane Bowers or or Ben Myers or Lucas Sedlak. It's whichever one of you play the best, will play. Yeah, if you're looking for it to be easy and you don't want to work very hard, then maybe total beverage is more up your alley, right? 
Everybody knows Total Beverage in uh. Thornton and Westminster, right? Sure, Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits, but did you know they deliver? Did you know they have curbside pickup available, and did you know they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th in Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself. Or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need and more. Um, Arif, this is the end of the show where, you know, we're supposed to have the extra attacker segment or, you know, where maybe we would have done three stars in the past, but we don't have any of those today. So The only thing I will say, this one is worth, I'm not going to talk a lot about it to recap it, but if you haven't listened to Frank Saravalli's podcast last week, he had an episode where Chris McFarland was a guest. That was actually an interesting lesson. So here is my extra attacker kind of on a whim is... Frank Saravalli had Chris McFarlane on the show and he talked about his growth, uh, learning pre-joining the Avalanche and then joining the Avalanche, learning from Joe Sackick, building that team last year and kind of getting that position with the Avalanche this year and some of the interviews he had with other teams along the way before the Avalanche ultimately gave him that promotion. That one is definitely worth a listen. Pulls it out of his ass. Look at the literally improvisation it, on that one. pulled it out of my <laughs> ass. Look at that. We're not even a live podcast and I had that ready to lock and loaded. Uh, right on. Well, any other hockey-related thoughts you want to get out there before we wrap up and uh, head into the final preseason game for tomorrow? And then, like we said, we've got some time to overanalyze and speculate and do all the things we like to do on a podcast till that first game. But, again, it's it's so close I can smell it. We are eight days away from Arif pulling out the first of his many new three-piece suits that are just going <laughs> to wow the press box. Let's go. Uh, all right everybody thanks for hanging out with us in this midweek edition of the podcast of course don't forget our friends both at superbook sports and total beverage in thornton and westminster um yeah i guess we'll see you next time right here on hockey mountain high your go-to avalanche podcast if you made it this far in the podcast bless your pretty little heart let's make hockey for everyone and we out you